You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. We're going to talk about giving this morning. And we're talking about nuts and bolts, basics, ABCs, and uh, can't get by without talking a little bit about giving. Okay, so... uh, and, and, you know, and it's, it's something I normally try to share an entire series once a year, normally in November. Well, this past year has been a little different. Somebody say amen. So everything's been a little crazy. And uh, so it's been a while since we've done any talking on giving. And we've got quite a few new folks, new Christians that really just need to hear some instruction. There's some um, maybe older Christians that need to be reminded of some instruction Amen as well. And so let's just share this morning, okay? So um, I want to begin with something that, um, that I read uh, just a few weeks ago from uh, Tony Morgan. He, he does this, um, he has this ministry to churches. Uh, he actually calls it the Unstuck, the unstuck Group to uh, try to help churches that feel like they're stuck. So that's kind of his thing. He's like, if you're stuck here, I want to help you. And so I was reading, and I, I read some of his stuff, and and uh, I was reading, and, and so I've adapted one of the things that he shared about this past year, uh, right here, about five things. In the last year, people went church shopping. Did you know that happened? You know, that's what a lot of people were doing when they were, when they were online. They were church shopping. They were, they were checking churches out to figure out where they wanted to go. Any subject became a potential argument. Amen. Boy, it should have gotten a bigger amen than that. Any subject could have been an argument. Hybrid ministry was still not supported effectively. And what's, what's meant by hybrid ministry is, is uh, we kind of do our thing that we like, like most of us Sunday morning, right? This is our thing. We like this part, right? And we don't do those other things that may be the things that actually impact the community and touch the community. We don't do enough of those. So it's not, wasn't supported effectively financially uh, with volunteers or whatever. Children's and student ministry lost momentum. Amen. And we lost workers. People took breaks. It's time for the break to be over. It's time to get back to ministry. It's time to get back to touching our kids and touching our teens. Get back to that. That's not the sermon today. Here we go. Here's the last one. This is the, this is the sermon. People found other more fun places to spend the funds they once gave to charity you know because that's what we've been told over the last year and a few extra months right take care of yourself stay home you know don't get out don't don't associate with other people (laughs) it's you know social distancing do you know do your thing at home you just take care of yourself you take care of your family and you know and we've had all this extra money that i mean the government's just been dumping money into our laps I mean, there are not many of us sitting here this morning that were going to go broke if the government hadn't, hadn't given us that money. But what do we do with it? You know, what do we do with it? Do we, we take it to places that we're going to make a difference, or do we listen to everybody else and just bless ourselves with it? Okay, so this is, this is kind of where we're going this morning. So let's talk a little bit about treasure. And the things that we treasure. Jesus talked about treasure. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is it that we treasure? Well, we've been told over the last year or so to treasure ourselves, treasure our health, 
treasure ourselves, treasure our families, and treasure those people closest to us. Well, what is it that we're supposed to treasure? Okay, so let me, let me, let me tell you a little story a little bit, all right? Uh, about two weeks ago, I was talking to my oldest grandchild and uh, granddaughter, Brooklyn. I was talking to her, and I said, you know, we need to go see a movie. We hadn't been to a movie in a long time. Well, we got, you know, as we were talking about it, we immediately knew that we had to, you know, take other grandkids with us. Couldn't be just me and her, so we had to take other grandkids. And so I thought, well, we'll take the next two oldest. And then the next one, well, she's old enough, probably she could sit through a movie now. So now there's four of them going, well, now, you know, I'm going to take four grandkids. Three of them are girls. So Davis says, well, I've got to go with you, you know, because they're going to have to go to the bathroom sometime while you're going with them. I said, okay, so it's now six of us. It started out two, now six of us. So, you know, I, I'm thinking at first, you know, this is going to cost me 30, 40 bucks, right? <laughs> you know. And now there's six of us. So six movie tickets, $42, right? Somebody adding up, cha-ching, right? <laughs> cha-ching. All right, and, and then, well, the movie's at 12.55, so you know what we got to do, don't you? We've got to go eat lunch before we go there. Well, again, you know, I'm thinking McDonald's. You know, I can buy a lot of chicken McNuggets, you know, for $10, you know. And, uh, but fast food was not going to do it. There was one picky one in the group. Now, when you're the parent, you kind of can tell them, eat what I put in front of you. When you're the grandparents, you just can't say that to your grandkids, you know. And so we ended up, and I didn't even eat. I had had a big breakfast that morning, so I didn't even eat. I had water. I mean, I didn't call. So this is five people eating. We ended up Buffalo Wild Wings. See, I told you, fast food wouldn't do it. 40, what was it, 47, $45, okay, $45 for four kids and one adult, and David doesn't eat that much either, you know. So $45, boy, we just blow my budget completely, right? Halfway through the movie, uh, Colin, grandson, leans over and says, Pop, can we have some popcorn? Now, they had already asked me about popcorn, but you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking if I delay them long enough, they'll get into the movie, and they're full from lunch, right? $45 worth of lunch. They're full. They're not going to need any popcorn. Halfway through, he leans over and says, Pop, what about that popcorn? Well, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, can I wait just a little longer to see if we get through? And, you know, normally I don't like to leave a movie in the middle because I don't want to miss any of the storyline or anything whatsoever. But we're watching a movie about a horse and a little girl, and it's a cartoon. So I go get popcorn. I'm gone seven or eight minutes. I come back. I ain't missed a thing, you know. <laughs> it's a horse and little girl cartoon. And so I'm just thankful that one bag of popcorn takes care of it. And one bag of popcorn is $10. Do you all know what the markup is on a $10 bag of popcorn? I mean, you know, I, I had a, had some friends growing up, and they they used to always take popcorn in with them. Yeah, they don't want you to do that, but if you if you're good, you can hide it and you can take it in anyway. And I'm thinking, man, that's that's maybe risking getting kicked out. Ten dollars for a I'm talking about a little bag about like about like this, and thankfully that was enough. Then afterwards, you know, we come out and we're driving out, and we begin talking about well, we kind of need a snack on the way home, right? And there's a Dairy Queen, so we got to stop get pop, got to stop get ice cream, and so we've got seventeen dollars worth of ice cream. Okay, now you've seen the Visa commercials, right? You know this costs this, this costs this, and and then what's the next thing? Prices, right? So a a, a an afternoon with four of your grandkids and your wife, all of this, this, this. Priceless, right? I can give you a price: one hundred fourteen dollars plus gas to Alabaster and back. <laughs> That's the price, okay? Because Alabaster's the only place still showing the little girl and pony cartoon, you know, that, is, uh, that they wanted to see that day. 
And, uh, so, but you know, I, I kind of added all this up in my head and, and I thought, I, I wasn't upset, you know. I, I didn't have to sell a kidney or anything like that. It wasn't that much money. And it was, you know, I mean, we hadn't been to a movie with the grandkids and, you know, at least the ones that can sit through a movie in a long time. And so, I mean, this was, th that was worth it, you know. And so, I, you know, I just kind of got to thinking about it because in my mind, you know, I was thinking 40, 50 bucks, you know. And so that's why I kind of started adding this up. I didn't care. You know, I added it up, but I, I, I really didn't care. You know, I'm playing this up for laughs today because I want you to think about it too. We drop money like that without thinking about it, right? $100 here, $150 here. I mean, by the time you add gas, we're, we're $125 probably there. Talabaster and back. Did I mention that, that that's the only place showing the cartoon that they wanted to see? So 100, 100, 100 we, we drop money like that and don't think a thing about it. Yet then act like God is asking us to cut off our right arm to support ministry. Right? Don't we? I mean, if the pastor said, okay, everybody pony up, every, every family give $100 today. And it was like, $100? I spent 114 plus gas in one afternoon. It's no big deal. Now, this isn't meant to be a condemning sermon, but it's meant to be a, can we just back up for a minute and think about it? Think about the things that we treasure in life and what, are, what really, really, really matters. So, so, so what is it? What is it that we treasure? Family, friends? possessions, music, art, or sports. Got to throw sports in here in Alabama, right? I mean, we really had a tough year last year, but all hell would have broken loose if we had not had college football season last year. <laughs> what do we treasure? Education, pets, or animals in general? Do we treasure helping others? Do we treasure introducing someone else to Jesus Christ? Now, this is not a priority list, okay? That one should not be at the bottom. It's just I wanted to mention it last. Yeah, it's probably family and friends, okay, yes, absolutely. That one needs to be up high, but these two on the bottom need to be high also. So what are the things that you and I treasure? Because Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. What are the things that our heart, are set on because, our heart is set on? Because when we set our heart on something, we're willing to put anything in it. I hear people all the time say, well, I can't do that because of so-and-so. But you know what we will do? We will do whatever we want to do. We will spend money on whatever it is that we want in our life. We will give, we will sweat, we will bleed even for the things that we want. So why is it? that we give to a church. Because, I mean, if you're, if you're not a Christian or if you've not been in church very long, you probably wonder, why in the world do you people go and sit and, you know, you, you sing a little bit and that's really exciting. Then you go and you got to sit and listen to somebody drone on for a half hour. And then, you know, you're going to give some money, drop it in the offering box on the way out, or you're going to take your phone out these days. Probably about, uh, probably about two-thirds of our giving right now is, is online more so than in the offering box. So why is it that you do that kind of thing? So let's, let's talk about that. Why do we give, okay? I'm going to give you some reasons here. These are, these are good reasons why, why we give, okay? And the first one is because God requires it. I started to change that because, you know, I, I don't like to be in your face too much. You know, when someone asks me a question, I don't mind getting in your face. You ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. If you don't want to know the answer, don't ask me the question, okay? But when you haven't asked the question, I, I hate to be in your face too much, I, I wanted to... I, I, after it was, the slide was done, I was looking at it, I was thinking, I want to change that word requires. But you know, he does. Do you, do you not feel it in you that, that when there is a need, 
There's something inside of you that says you need to give. If you're a a child of God, if you're following Christ, if you're a Christian, there's something inside of you that's telling you this is required. We've got to to be givers. That's what it it means to be a Christian, to be Christ-like, to follow Christ. Because he gave, what did Jesus give? Everything. He gave everything. He gave, he was was glorified, worshipped, and adored 24 hours a day, seven days a week in heaven. He gave all that up, came down. Yeah, he gave his life, but he gave everything. And so to be a Christ follower means, yeah, he requires it. But here's the problem if we only do it because it's required is we'll look for loopholes. We look for, when it's required, we look for loopholes, you know, because, you know, I had something else come up this way. It's required, but this week I also had something else that's required. You know, that other thing that you bought, whatever, and you, you set all that up, and now you got to make all those payments. Yeah, that, that's what we do to ourselves, right? And so if it's required, but then we'll look for loopholes. Or, or, or here's another reason that we give. Uh, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. When we see people in need, we know it's the right thing to do to give. But again, uh, we'll look for exceptions. You know, like, uh, like well, you know, I've... Times are a little rough around the house these days, you know, going through some hardships financially or whatever. Or, and this, this is a real one, okay? This, this is not one made up, okay? They didn't put the, car, the color carpet that I wanted to put in the church, so I'm not giving anymore. You know, so we'll, look, we'll look for exceptions when it's the right thing to do because, because of this or those, or those kinds of things. We'll look, we'll look for... Loopholes, we'll look for exceptions. Or here's another reason that we give, because we're in partnership with God. That's a good one. You know this sowing and reaping thing? You know that when you sow, you reap? That's not just about seeds out in your garden. That's about everything. You know how to get a smile? You know you know how to get a smile? How do you get a smile from someone? Smile at them, and, and you know, unless they're just really ornery, you're probably going to get a smile back. You know, and if I, if I smile real big, I'm going to get a few smiles from you guys, right? You know, I mean, if, if you put something in, you're going to get something back. You know, I mean, like, man, good old Brother Kurt here, man, he, he knows. He knows. I mean, he can tell a story and get more groans out of a crowd than anybody I know, you know? It's like he puts something in and he gets something back, right? If you put something in it, you're going to get something back. This sowing and reaping thing, and so we're in partnership with God. But, you know, here's the problem when we only do it. Because we're in partnership. You know, what, you know what the problem is? It's because we'll be tempted to negotiate with God. You know, that's what you do when you're in partnership or you're working out a deal with someone, right? When you're in a deal, you, you, you try to negotiate. I, I've had a lot of people say, Pastor, I, I believe in giving this percentage, but I just want to know, should I give it on my... Y'all have heard it too. Should I give it on my gross or my net? Right? I'm negotiating with God here. I'm, you know, should I give it on my gross or on my net? You know, here's another one. You haven't, probably not as many of you have heard this one. Well, Pastor, I believe in giving, and maybe even giving this kind of percentage, but Pastor, do I give it just on the money I make at my job, or do I give it on that other money that I make on the side, and this on the side, and this on the side, and this on the side, and all of this? 
you know, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you my answer that I give people real quick. We don't have time for the theological discussion. I'm willing to have it with you if you want to, but I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you this real quick. What do you want God's blessings on? You want it on your net or your gross? You want it on just your job or you want it on all those those side jobs that you got going on as well? What do you want it? What do you want his blessings on? Do you want it on, on, on just this? Because see, see, there's the problem with this partnership thing, is it's like we're partnering with God about this one thing. Okay, so th- these are all good reasons to give, but the All of these have problems. They they all have limitations if we do it for those reasons. The reason we give is because my whole heart is in this thing of being a Christian and being with him. Christianity, being a Christian is not a Sunday morning thing. It's not. You can't be a Christian just on Sunday morning. You, you can do everything that is right on a Sunday morning, and that won't ever make you a Christian. You, because being a Christian, it, it, and it's not nine to five. It's not, it's, not like a, it's not like a job that you can work this many hours a day toward this and, and be, and I'm a Christian because of that. Don't, we do know this, right? It's not 10%. Being a Christian is 100%. I mean, it, it, is, it is following God completely or we're not following him at all. You can't, be, you can't almost be part of the family. You know, you can't almost be blood-related to somebody. You either are or you aren't. And so, and, and so the reason we give is because our whole heart is wrapped up in this thing. I mean, one of the good, I think, checks and questions that we can throw at ourselves sometimes and as we try to figure out if we're really in this or not is what would we not do? You know, if there's anything that we say we would not do this, then we're not in it. You know, it's like that person that you love that maybe you're married to or maybe you're going to get married to real soon, that person that you love, what would you not do for them? Answer that question, right? And in the same way, if we're Christians, we have, to, we have to say, what would I not do for Christ who did everything for me? You know, he, he, like he told that one young guy that came to him when Jesus was here physically walking on the face of the earth, he had a guy come to him, and he, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to, be his follower, and he said, what can I do to be perfect? He said, sell everything you got and come follow me. He couldn't do that. So what can you not do? What can you not give? What can, what, you know, what would you not do? Would you, would you roll out of bed in the middle of the night when the phone rings and somebody says, I need prayer right now? And would you drop to your knees and pray for them, or would you say, yeah, I'll pray for you and hope you remember again at 8 o'clock, you know, at a more convenient time? Because that's the question. See, the, the question for us is not, does God require? The question isn't, is it the right thing to do? The question isn't, are we in partnership with God and are we holding up our end of the deal? The question is, have we given him all? Have we surrendered all and do we follow him with everything we have? And is there any part of our life that we've held back? You see, here's the thing. Is this is not about getting more money into the church for the sake of the church, okay? And I know churches get there sometimes. 
money gets tight and pastors got to preach a message on giving or something that people got to, you know, we, we got to get money in here, got to get money in here. This isn't about trying to get more money into the church for the sake of, of the church. This is about trying to invest in the kingdom so the needs of those struggling can be met and more people will come to know Jesus Christ. That's the reason for our giving. No, no other reason. It's for, it's for that reason. It's not, it's not so that, wow, we've got a building now. And incidentally, if this is your first time here, we're not done in here. We haven't even started here yet. We just want you to know that this is not the decor, the look we were going for, all right? We had not started in here yet. But the reason for giving is not so we can have a building. It's not so we can have an awesome coffee shop or an awesome playground. If you haven't seen it, you really need to go see that as well. That's not, that's not the reason for it. The reason is that people can be ministered to and souls can come to know Jesus Christ. And if we ever forget that and we become about that up there, we're in trouble. And we'll be on this <laughs> carousel, merry-go-round, going round and round and round, just trying to find, instead of actually accomplishing anything. Let me give you a quote. This is from, and before they bring the quote up, let me set it up just a little bit. Robert Morris, this is from Gateway. He, he uses a word in here that I, I don't know that everyone's familiar with, mammon, okay? Now, it, we find mammon in the Bible, that word, and it means riches, okay? It just means riches. And uh, so that, that Jesus used it, and he's using it because kind of when a, a preacher uses mammon, we're talking about filthy riches, you know? We're talking about riches that have, you know, we're greedy and that kind of a thing, okay? So that, that's the context of what he's trying to say here, okay? So here, and, and, and this, this right here, this is, what, this is what he's saying, okay, in this quote. Go ahead, now bring, me, bring up that quote. God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into souls. And that's the reason for our giving is because it, it, God turns our giving and he turns our efforts and he turns our labors and he turns our prayers into souls that need to know Jesus, that, that, that come into a relationship with him. That is the reason for giving. And then this, this right here leads really well in the next part of this message. This right here leads into it is, is that this is the, the first promise of Malachi chapter 3. Okay, we're going to go to Malachi chapter 3. And... Um, any of y'all that have been in church for a long time know exactly where we're going. We're going to that place that talks about tithes, all right? So let's jump in there real quick. Malachi 3, beginning verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, if you don't know what that means, tithe is actually a word that just means tenth. And it's always been the thing. You know, some people say, well, that's Old Testament. Yes, that is Old Testament, but tithing happened before the Old Testament law of Moses. It predates Moses by centuries, okay? Go back to Genesis, Abraham, Melchizedek, and, and, and into all that, all right? Okay, so I'm not going to have that discussion today, but I'll be glad to have it with you later when you and I just want to want to have time because we don't have time right here. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, all right? And here's what, I, here's what most of us do. We shut down right here. I, I, I don't believe in tithing. I don't believe in giving that way. And we shut down. But here's the problem when we shut down with this, okay? And this is really, this is really my heart that I want to preach to you right now, okay? Especially if you're a young Christian, I want you to get this. I want you to understand. If you shut down right here, you're shutting down before four awesome promises that God makes after he makes this one command. He makes a command, and then he gives four awesome promises. So don't shut down just yet. 
Let's look at the promises, okay? So he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. There's the, there's the first promise, food in the house, right? Well, wh- what does that mean? Okay, now he's talking about the temple then, but we, we relate it to today and exactly doing the exact same thing that when we bring, we, we bring our gifts, our tithes into, the, into the, the house, there's food in the house. You know, like we talk about getting fed on Sunday morning, you know? Anybody ever get fed on Sunday morning, you know? Yeah, I know you got a popsicle last week. I'm not talking about that. But, you know, if we get fed, you know, on Sunday morning. I mean, it was two weeks ago. You get fed on Sunday morning. You get blessed on Sunday morning. This music and the worship, blessed. The, the, the fellowship that happens, your teens on, on Wednesday nights and the, 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 the other things, the activities they're doing. The, your kids right now, those of you who have kids that are back in the kids' ministry, they're getting blessed. They're getting fed. They're getting ministered to. There's food in the house. Do you know why there's food in the house? Do you know why? Not because God rained money down out of heaven. No, but because he gave it through the pockets of a lot of people sitting here right now. There's food in the house because of you. You have enabled. If there's someone being fed today, it's because of the people sitting here that have given. And some that maybe not here today, right? But because of that. And so now it's up to me and you to say, I'm being blessed. I want this to continue. And so it's up to me and you to continually replenish the food in the house to replenish the bread and make sure it keeps happening. And that's the, that's the promise that, uh, that's the, pr- the very first promise. And that's what, um, that's what Robert Morris was talking about there also when he said, God takes our filthy, unrighteous mammon and he turns it into souls. And he blesses it. And he blesses those that are, that are struggling. He blesses those that are hurting. He blesses those that are needing right now. Okay, so there's three more promises. That's the one that's about everybody else. You want to hear the ones for you? Look at this one. This one's awesome. And then he says, prove me or test me in this. Next slide, I'm sorry. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. That when we give, God says, here, get the image of what God is painting. This picture he's painting is God says, I'm going to tear the, the heavens open. You know, all the, all the stuff that you've been eating, I'm going to rip the heavens open and just let it pour out upon you. And there are blessings into your life and blessings into your life and blessings into your life. He says, I, I, I'm going to make it unhindered and overflow blessings are going to just be poured out into, into your life. Like David said, uh, my cup runs over. Now, now, why would God do that? Because whenever I see that, I think about, you know, God's just wasting a whole lot of stuff, isn't he? You know, when he fills up the cup and it just runs over, he's wasting a lot. No, he's not wasting. You know, what happens to that that spills out of the cup. It gets something else wet around it, right? It gets on somebody else. And so when God gives me more than I can hold, that's what it's talking about here, so much blessing that I can't even hold it. It's because somebody else needs my leftovers, the, the additional of what God has given to me. There are people around you. You see, this is what God wants to do through you. He wants to bless you so much that you become a blessing to someone else. And the third promise is, is this one. Uh, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I like how God signed that one right there. Says the Lord of hosts. Pastor Rick didn't say that this morning. Even Malachi, who wrote it down, didn't say that. God spoke this through the prophet Malachi. Says the Lord of hosts. 
You know, because what happens in our lives a lot of times is we do sow seed. And we, we, want it to, we want it to grow. We want it to prosper. We want it to come, come forth, and it doesn't happen. In verse 9, before the, the verse right before we started reading here, God tells the nation of Israel, you're under a curse. I spoke to you a blessing that if you give, you'll receive. That if you sow, you'll reap. But you're under a curse because you've not been sowing. You've not been giving. You've been holding it to yourself. You've been blessing yourself. You've been taking everything that you get and you've been holding it for yourself and, and blessing yourself and, and you've seen all the people around you that are hurting and you're doing nothing with it. And it says what you've done is you've cursed yourself because instead of having the promises, you, you, you failed to do that and so you, your land is barren. But God says bring the tithes back into the storehouse and I will rebuke that devourer. And I will make sure that the, the seed that you are planting, it will produce fruit and, and the fruit will come up because one of the things he mentions here also is, is how the fruit falls too quickly. You know, like sometimes you feel like, man, it's going to work, this is going to work, it's going to happen. And it kind of just fizzles out and doesn't happen. God says, bring the tithe, bring your gifts to me again. And he says, I'll make sure that your fruit doesn't fail and doesn't fall off the vine too early. But you will be blessed. How blessed will you be? That's the last promise right here. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. All nations, what's he talking about? All these other people that don't know who God is. They don't know, they don't know about his blessings. They don't know about his promises. They don't know about his power. He says those people will look at you and say, wow, those people are blessed. Can you relate that to me and you today? Can we relate that to ourselves as well? That, that even people who don't know this Jesus... And this power that he has, they'll look at our lives and say, wow, I don't know what it's about. And, and maybe they don't even ask you why, but they'll say there's, there's something in them. But I mean, that's why God gets glory, doesn't he? God doesn't get glory when, when we don't have enough. But when we are so blessed that people around us say, there's something different about those people. Those people are so, how how they get so blessed? God gets glory out of that because then, God, then they want to ask the question and then you get to answer and you get to share with them and then they find out this is the way this happens. 2020 was a strange year, right? And, you know, I, I was really hoping you guys be shouting me down by now. Y'all are swinging from the rafters, excited about this sermon and all that. Seriously, I, I knew because we all feel a little, I, I could be doing better here, right? But there's probably not many of us in here really throwing our shoulders back and saying, yeah, we're doing, we're doing what we need to be doing, right? So, okay, I, I, I get it, I get it. 2020, we started with a little list of 2020, didn't we? About the struggles. Man, the struggles. Can I tell you, for the last 16 months, I don't think I made anybody happy. If I got close to making one person happy, everybody else was upset about it because I did it their way instead of their way. You know, it's what, you know, it's been a struggle that you you had to. I mean, you've seen it, right? Pastors and ministers that have literally lost opportunities of ministry because they said something that was taken out of context. 
Maybe some, maybe some of them said some things that wasn't <laughs> taken out of context. They said it exactly the way they meant it. But, and, you know, you just have to just be so careful and wonder wh- what's going on here. I don't, I, there's not been a day of rest in the last 16 months for any true Christian leader in the church. I'm, I'm saying this because we need, we need to be praying about this. This is, where, this is where we've been and where we are. This has been, this has been a struggle for the last 16 months. I don't know about you. I, I know what some of the stuff that you do, but just the struggle of everything and every day and everybody and, 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 and all the truths and half-truths and all-out lies and, and just the struggle. And, and then those, those things on that list there at the beginning is, yeah, People shopped. People decided, I'm going to f- do my thing. People who have, I mean, I, I've heard from pastors that some of their most committed church members, they said, you know what? I'm good with just sitting at home and watching it on TV. You can't be the church on TV because the church is not about what I say and what they sing. That's not church. We are the church. We can only be the church by being and connecting to one another and connecting to people out there. It, it's been a struggle. Uh, giving last year, I remember when uh, the first, first weekend that all the churches had to not have church, you know, I said, you know, there are a bunch of pastors right now online trying to figure out how to set up online giving because they don't have it in their church and they're not going to receive any offerings until they have church again. Thank God we were already, you know, uh, majority of our giving was already online by, the, by that time. And we have, we have so many young staff members, uh, you know, us old guys could just kind of hand it off to them and say, hey, can y'all do that, handle that, fix it, do it, right, that kind of stuff. And our, our giving over in 2020, our giving from 2019 to 2020, our giving dropped 11.9%. So, you know what? I wish I could say it didn't drop at all, <laughs> but... It did, 11.9%. But if you ask other pastors out there, they will tell you, wow, that's amazing that God held you that high. And then the fact of uh, so many months that we had between the Civic Center and buying this building that um, we didn't have rent or anything. And so that took care of that 11.9%. It took care of that. And through all that struggle in 2020, we bought a building in the middle of a pandemic with giving down 11.9%. We bought a building. When they were saying, stay home, don't go to church, don't hang out with people, don't associate, six feet, you know, and all that kind of stuff, we bought a building. We bought a building. And you know what? We didn't just buy a building. We bought a building. And you know, we're working on it kind of slow because we're, you know, some of us got some big, high dreams you know some of us just want it done but some of us got some big high dreams you know and we're trying to hit the middle there somewhere okay you know and so we got some real pretty stuff you know and all that right here we ain't got started in here yet but you know and if you've not given any of this yet hey look around it's not over yet it's still time to do it but in the middle of all that and all that and all that we're still doing ministry I look back I look back and I kind of made a list a list I won't go through with you of just a few things I just want to let you know what a little bit of what happened in 2020. 
that in, in 2020, in the middle of all this going on, and us just, <laughs> are we going to make it? We're going to be able to get the coffee shop done and the playground and the kids' areas done and whew, then breathe a little bit before we start trying to get on this right now? Are we going to make it? In the middle of that, we helped two families financially. So I don't mean that we just went and did work with our arms, and we did that, but that's not the sermon today. The sermon today is about money. We helped two families in the tornado that had lost just about everything in the tornado. We helped another family that lost a lot of stuff in, in a totally different storm. It wasn't even the tornado. We helped another family that, uh, but that had a fire. We helped another family that had a, um, they had a, um, a handicap need at their house, and we funded that handicap need at their house. We helped two widows this past year that had problems at their house, and we took care of them financially. Some of, some of these, we did the work. We actually, people in our church did the work, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we funded that financially. We also, a, a church in, uh, in Birmingham, the city, city of Birmingham, was vandalized, and we financially, we sent them a financial gift to help take care of that so that they could get that cleaned up and done. And yet we also had some people go over there and help them with that, but that's not part of the sermon today, right? Again, you know, and, and, and again, like every other year, we take care of families and kids that are needy around Christmas. How many this past year, Regina? 27. This in the middle of a pandemic when giving is down 11.9% and we buy a building, we're doing all this and we're still finding a way to bless 27 at Christmas. And then also the Kentucky Christmas blessing, you know, and, and it's not just the toys that you and you and I bring, but we also sent a thousand dollars up there with them so that they go, go buy last minute stuff that they're going to need for the Kentucky Christmas blessing. We supported a missionary in uh, Romania uh, until COVID she required her to come back home. We supported Supported uh, another young Christian ministry couple in a in a foreign country that uh, they're actually in. A, I started to say I'm, I'm gonna say it this way: they they are ministering in an anti-Christian country, and we're su we're supporting them. We're supporting them, and, and we're supporting a a a, um, a, a local disaster relief ministry that goes all over the southeast and we we pour into them and pour into that and then all throughout the year i mean we just have people come sometimes that they've got utility needs and i don't know how many families we help with with uh, alabama power or alabama gas or buying them some propane and we did that in the middle of a pandemic with giving down 11.9% and we buy a building and we and we do all the things that we're supposed to do and we're doing all this in here and we're still getting all this ministry done, that only happens because there are people who are bringing the food into the house and making sure the bread is replenished over and over and over on a Sunday morning. Would you join me and give God a hand of praise for allowing us to be a part of that? See, we... You, you, you hear this message, and you hear me talk about giving. Oh, I, I know. Oh, he just wants a good offering. But I want, I, you know what I want? I want some of you who've not been a part, who, who can't say, I was a part of that. I want you to be able, the next time I preach that, you say, I was a part of that. Lexi, Lexi's going to share with you some more stories, I hope next week, of, of, of some of the things that are going on in the in the in the coffee shop. We've been talking about the coffee shop a lot, but I wanted you to know about just normal, everyday kind of stuff that's happening. And you know, we, could, we couldn't do that. We couldn't write a check for someone's power bill unless somebody was doing this. So, 
let me be, let me be blunt. Y'all think I've been blunt, don't you? <laughs> now, what's he going to say now? going to be blunt. Let me just be blunt, okay? There are people sitting in this room right now that are in a financial prison and they don't know how to get out. Because at some point in their past, they stopped trusting God to help them. And they can't find their way back to that kind of trust. If you are a young Christian, I don't want you in that prison. I want you walking in faith to believe that God can supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if you're in that prison, it's easy to break free. Let me give you just a couple little things right here. You see, when we give, we're saying, I believe God, like, just say, take for the tithe, the 10%, right? You give 10, you've only got 90 left, right? When you give, you're saying, I believe God can do more with 90 than I can do with 100% without him. That's what you're saying. And when you can't give in faith, you can't step forward and give in faith, you're saying, I don't really trust that God is able to do what he says he can do. That's what you're saying when you can't step forward in that. If you're a young Christian, please hear me today. Start believing God, trusting in him, because every one of your future needs, five minutes, five years, five decades from now, however long you live, every one of them is in his hands. He is able to do it. Trust him today and believe him. Because all this, all, all this stuff we preach today, it's not about an offering. It's about your blessings. It's about those things that God wants to bring into your life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back around. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you my one, lap, my one story that I like to tell more than anything, just real, real quick. I just, just one little thing to encourage you again. And I've told it, I've probably told it a couple of times since 2911 was planted. And, and I won't go into a lot of details. I'll tell this as quick as I can. David and I were very young in ministry, serving at our first church. I had to go down for a meeting. We, were, uh, we lived 30 minutes away. I had to go down for a meeting. I didn't have enough gas to get to the meeting and back. And it was, it was, a, it was a church service thing. David wasn't with me. I don't know if one of the kids was sick or what. My kids were real small. And I, I, I had to go there. So I had to be there. You know, I'm on staff. I had to be there. I was minister of youth and music. You know, you do as many things as you can trying to make a living back in those days, right? Youth and music. And I had just enough gas to get there and $5, I'm sorry, $3 in my pocket to buy gas to get back home. And I'm sitting there. And in the middle of this service, God tells me to give that $3 an offering. And I, I start reminding him, God, you, you can see the gas gauge on my car out in the parking lot, right? You were riding with me down here, and you know it's that far back, right, God? And I don't know. And, and then plus, the next thing I had to do was get up the next morning and come back, come right back to that church for work that, morning, that next morning. And God said, give that. I did, I, there's something about childlike faith. And I was, I was still, come on, 
Let's just be real, old people. I was still young enough to believe God when God spoke it. I hadn't got jaded yet. I hadn't thought, well, you know, God doesn't talk to you as much as you really think he does. I hadn't started thinking those things yet, like we sometimes do when we get a little older. And I took that $3, and when the offering plate came by, I dropped it at the offering plate and tried to enjoy the rest of the service, <laughs> you know? And I got up right after service. I didn't even get out of the pew to the aisle, and a sweet, sweet little lady, Sister Miller, my mom and dad know who that is, she came up. And she shook my hand with both hands and a $5 bill and said, God told me to give you this. One of the reasons I want to tell you that story is, I, I, you know, that won't sound like a lot of money. Well, I think it's probably about the $3 is probably $12, and now the $5 is about $16 or $17 today. You know, so we're talking about a considerable amount of gasoline to go in your car but it was almost double what I gave. And I tell you that story because it's the one that jumped because it happened just so quick that I know it was God. It wasn't tomorrow. It wasn't next week. It wasn't next month. I know it was God. And I, I, I just want to tell some of you that story again, tell some of you that story for the first time to let you know that God sees it all. He knows how much money's in the gas tank. He knows how much money... He's in your checking account. He knows, he knows the bill you're going to have to pay tomorrow that you don't even know about yet. And he already has the plan. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.